Hey there, I'm Lauren Hicks, pastor of Pacific Christian Center in Santa Maria, California. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. It's my prayer that this message strengthens your faith and draws you closer to God. Now enjoy today's message. I want you to know that when our family is coming from Texas or Oklahoma or coming to visit us here in Santa Maria, my wife kicks into gear and she kicks me into gear and she kicks our daughters into gear and she kicks the dog into gear. But how many of you know we get that house in shape? We get that house ready. We are prepared for guests. And she'll say things like, don't you put any trash in that bathroom trash can. Because that trash can has already been emptied. Those types of things. And you do the same thing. You get your house in order. You get your house ready. Because you know somebody's about to come. I believe the Spirit of God's calling on His church to get the house in order. I believe the Spirit of God's calling on us to get things ready. To get things ready because... He's about to come back for his people. He's about to get ready for his church. And it's time to get the house of God in order. It's time for the people of God to get everything ready for the return of Jesus. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to read along. I think we have it on the screen as well. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. Words of the Apostle Peter. Above all. You must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying that people are going to be scoffing and mocking, that hearts will be filled with cynicism and skepticism about this message that I've been preaching to you about the coming of the Lord. That even among the church, that there would be people that would scoff and say, where is this coming of the Lord? I, you know, I know the Bible says Jesus is coming back, but you know, th- times are going on like they always have. Life goes on just like it always has. But the scripture goes on to say, Peter says in verse 5, but these scoffers, but they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. He's saying there's a few things these scoffers are forgetting. First of all, they're forgetting that at the word of God, the earth came into being. They're also forgetting that there was another time in history when God destroyed the earth by water at the command of the Lord. They're forgetting, they're forgetting that. Now notice verse 7. Peter says, by that same word, that same voice of God, That same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. He's reminding the church that heaven and earth will be destroyed by fire. He's going on to say in a moment that there is a new heaven and a new earth that's coming. So just because we haven't seen it happen, don't forget that by the word of God, the earth was formed. By the word of God, God sent a flood in Noah's generation. And by the very same word of God, this earth that we are on today will be destroyed by fire. And Peter says something very sober, sobering at the end of verse 7. 
about the destruction also of the ungodly. In verse 8 he says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. In other words, God doesn't keep time by a watch. Okay, God doesn't keep time by our 12-month calendar. It doesn't work that way with God. And it may seem like a long time to you, and I say, well, it's been 2,000 years since this book was written. It's been a long time. It seems like a long time to us. It's been about a minute for God. Okay, a thousand years are like a day. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. And oh, by the way, verse 9, the Lord is not slow keeping his promises. You say, well, God sure is slow about this thing. If you're going to come back, come back already. You know, what's taking you so long? No, God is very deliberate in what he's doing. He is not slow in keeping his promise. As some people understand slowness, as some of us think about slowness, instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You say, what's taking the Lord so long? Why is God delaying his coming? We see here that great heart of God, the mercy of God, that God is not willing that any should perish, that God is being patient. He's being long-suffering with this world because he wants as many as people as possible to come to repentance and to come to him. It's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Going to come like a thief. I talked about this last week. Thieves don't typically announce they're coming. If you had a come home today and there's a note on your door and says, I'll see you at 3 a.m., <laughs> sign thief. An announcement. Well, you'd set up throughout the night. You'd probably call 911. You'd, you'd do something, right? You, you, thieves don't announce their arrival. Jesus is going to come back on an ordinary day. I said he's coming on an ordinary day, on a day just like today. It's not going to be announced on CNN or even Fox News or Newsmax. Not going to be announced on any of those, right? You're not going to get an email notification. You're not, it's not going to be tweeted out, okay? You're not going to get a text message that says, hey, just want you to know, 5 o'clock today, I'm coming, get ready. He's already told us he's coming. There will be no excuse at the coming of the Lord because he has already foretold his coming. He's coming like a thief. He says in verse 10, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything uh, done in it will be laid bare. But I want to spend the next few minutes we have together in these last few verses. Notice verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way... Here's what we're wrestling with. What kind of people ought you to be? What kind of people ought you to be? With this knowledge that you and I now have, what kind of people should we be? And he answers the question, you ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming, the day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. 
just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes in the same way of all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Notice verse 17. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. We just read the last chapter of 2 Peter. But if you read all three chapters of this letter, you discover Peter's purpose in writing to this church. His purpose is to warn Christians like you and I, to warn believers about false teachers and preachers that have infiltrated the church who are denying that Jesus is coming back. They deny this truth, Peter says, because they want to pursue their own greed and their own sensual lifestyles. And if that wasn't enough, they were drawing away, causing believers to fall away from the true faith, drawing them away from righteous living with a message of freedom. And, and these false teachers were leading people away from the truth of Scripture by saying things like this, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. You, you don't have to live all that Bible stuff. I mean, I know it says Jesus is coming back, but, 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 but are you seeing any signs of Jesus coming back? People have been saying that for years. And my grandma used to say that. My mom and my daddy used to say that. I remember my old pastor used to talk about Jesus coming back. But when is he coming? You don't have to live that way. Do whatever you want to do. It's called freedom. And that's what these false teachers and preachers we're preaching 2,000 years ago. And sadly, we have that message today even in the church. And Peter writes to correct this error in the church. Now, Peter does not spend a lot of time talking about the signs of the Lord's coming. His approach to the second coming of Jesus is not academic. It is intensely practical. He states the truth of Scripture and then simply asks the question, in light of this truth that we now have, how should we live? You know, biblical prophecy is not given just to satisfy our curiosity. If I wanted to pack the house, all I have to do is announce that I'm going to give you a timeline of the end time events and erect a nice platform here and have a great big chart showing you all the times, all the times and all the sequence of the events and when we think it's all going to happen and how it ties to what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and everything that's going on in the world. Don't you know there wouldn't be a seat open in this building if we talk about that? Why? Because we are curious. We are curious. And there's nothing wrong with being curious, but biblical prophecy is not given just to satisfy our natural earthly curiosity about the end times. Biblical prophecy is given so that it would motivate us to godly living. That's why it's given. And this is Peter's message. Notice verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? How should we live in the last days? Very quickly, he gives four things. First... Peter says we should live godly and holy lives. We should live godly and holy lives. Let me ask you, shouldn't the knowledge of Christ soon return have an impact on how we live our lives? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't it? 
I believe this truth should change our everyday life. Two words leap off the page from this passage of Scripture. Holy and godly. Holy and godly. Those are tough words and words that have often been misunderstood and improperly preached and misunderstood. And, you know, when I think about holy, we often think about the word holiness. And we believe the Scripture is calling us to be holy as God is holy. We believe in holy living. And we, we believe in all that. Uh, but oftentimes what's preached and what's proclaimed and, and the lifestyle that that is, uh, that, that, that is ascribed to that is often, well, can I just say it, weird. <laughs> often weird. And I've seen Christians who proclaim some of these things who were weird Christians. Have you ever met, let me see your, no, reach your hand. Have you ever met a weird Christian? kind of quiet in the house you're wondering <laughs> if it might be you <laughs> I'm convinced though that uh, some of these weird Christians would be just weird people whether they were Christians or not it just that's just the way it is but to be holy is not to be weird to be holy the Bible the definition is to be set apart to be distinct even to be different a holy life is one that is different than the evil sinful world around us. How many of you believe that, that when you've come to know Jesus and you're walking in the Spirit, that, that people should notice there's something different about you. There's something about your life and your attitude and your words and your decisions. And they may not know what it is, but it's, I can't put my finger on it. But there is something different about your life. Would you tell me about it? To be holy is to be set apart for God. To live holy is to live by a different set of values than those who do not know Christ. It is to live according to his word. It is to treasure Christ above all things. Set apart. And then he said we're to be godly. That is simply a reverence and an awe towards God. To live a godly life has to do with the fear of the Lord. It's a life dedicated to God and to live in a way that honors the Lord. To be godly is to reflect the character of God in your life. Now, let me just be honest. When I read from the scripture that we're to be holy and we're to be godly personally, and this is not you, but this is just me personally, sometimes I feel a bit inadequate. Because I know my own life and I know my own shortcomings and I, own, I know my own mista mistakes and my failures and how many times I don't get it right and I want to get it right but I, sometimes I, I don't get it right and I think, oh God, you're calling me to be holy. You're calling me to be godly. How can I do that? Where can I find the power for holy living? How can I live a godly life? I want to live a godly life but I still struggle with my attitude sometimes and I still struggle with things I say and the way I do things sometimes. I know that that's none of you, that's just the pastor. <laughs> so where do we get, where do we get this power? Well, thankfully, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, he says, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. God would not call us to holiness and if he did not enable us to live holy. He would not call us to godliness without giving us the very power that we need to be godly. Second, living in these last days, Peter says we should make every effort to maintain peace with God. Verse 14, so then dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, looking forward to the end times, looking forward to the coming of the Lord, 
that you're looking forward to, make every effort to be spotless and blameless and maintain peace with God, be at peace with God. Again, Peter's talking about living a righteous life. He uses these words, spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. That, And I think the idea here about being at peace with God is that there would be nothing between us and the Lord. Now, I believe in the security of the believer. I believe that we don't have to worry about our salvation. I believe that when you're saved, you're saved. How many of you believe that? I believe you can lay your head in your pillow at night and go to sleep at night knowing that if Jesus comes in the night or should you go by the way of the grave, that that you're going to wake up in the presence of the Lord. I believe that. And I don't think we had to live lives worried all the time. In fact, 1 1 John tells us that these things were written so that we can know that our name is written in heaven. And I have that assurance of my salvation. I hope you have that assurance of your salvation as well. But there's enough scripture talking about a departure from the faith that leads me to believe that a person can make a willful, conscious decision to turn their back on God and go in a different way. And it always begins small. It never begins with one giant leap. It never begins with something large. It always begins with something small and begins to grow from there. Now, all of us in this room have had the experience, all of us have had the experience of having something come between you and another person in your relationship. Once you had closeness, once you had deep friendship, you could talk to this person about anything. You had intimacy in your fellowship with that person. Maybe it was a spouse or a child or a dear friend or a work colleague. You had that good relationship But something happened, and something came between you and that person. And now you don't talk like you used to talk before. You don't have that intimacy. You don't have that close friendship and fellowship that you used to have. What happened? Well, it was a hurt. It was an offense. It was a misunderstanding. Something happened to break the fellowship of that relationship. And the scriptures teach us that if possible, we should do everything we can to reconcile those relationships. And I think Peter is saying here, don't let anything come between you and your relationship with God. Don't let anything break that fellowship that we have with God. And if there comes something between us and the Lord, we can make it right with God. And 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 2 verse 28 says, and now dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Let's maintain peace with God. If there's something between you and God, you can make it right today before you leave this campus. Amen, everybody. Amen. Third, we should be on guard against falling away from the faith. Listen to what Peter says. He's, he's confronting these false teachers. In verse 17, he says, therefore, dear friends, and, and it's amazing, Peter keeps saying that over and over, dear friends, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. This word beware calls for us to to be alert and to keep watch. I hear the cry from Peter's heart. He has been an apostle, a mighty man of God, used in wonderful ways. He's been their pastor, but now he is an older man. And I hear from Peter's heart this cry to the church, church, don't fall away. Don't be caught off guard by false teaching. 
We've come too far to turn back, church. Don't let the fire of your faith burn out in the last days. Don't let false teachers come in and deceive you. Jesus is coming back. Can't you hear the heart of this pastor? Can't you hear the heart of the pastor? I took note that he used this word fall. Fall. Don't fall from your secure position. And I, I wanted to know what that word was talking about. In the original language, it's the New Testament written in the Greek language. This word fall was used of shipwrecks. Meaning that if we're not alert, we can shipwreck our faith. And it reminded me of something Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, when he says, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciousness and as a result, their faith has been, what? Shipwrecked. Their faith has been shipwrecked. Peter said, church, be on guard. And finally, as the worship team comes, finally, this is the key to the whole thing. How can we, in these last days, be holy and godly? How can we, in these last days, maintain our peace with God? How can we be on guard against false teaching in the last days? Here's the answer. Peter says, we should grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. What is it that helps us stay focused in the last days on the things that are very important? What helps us stay focused on our relationship with God in these last days? We must grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. I'm so thankful today for God's grace, aren't you? Let me see your hand. You're thankful for God's grace. God's grace. You see, grace is the kindness of God that brought us salvation. Did you know God did not have to save us? He didn't have to offer us anything. But grace is the kindness of God that brought us salvation. We are not forgiven based on our merit. It is a gift of God. We call it grace. And church, listen to me today. The thing that will keep us close to Jesus as we await for his return is to intentionally grow in God's grace and in the knowledge of Jesus. To keep pursuing Jesus. Don't give up. Don't let up. Keep growing in your faith. It's too late, friends, for apathy. It's too late for complacency. We can know Jesus more. We can serve him more. Do the things that strengthen your faith in God. Make a decision, maybe a new dedication to pursue God more than you ever have before. My final verse, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Listen to the writer, listen. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised, the one who promised he's coming back, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. What is he saying? He's saying, when it comes to faith, put your foot on the gas pedal. When it comes to faith, give it all you got. When it comes to the things of the Lord in the last days, live for Jesus. Let the things of God be your passion. Let the things of God be serious with you. To not play games with the things of God. To let it not just be a casual, carefree thing. It's too late for that. 
Jesus is coming for his church. With our heads bowed all over the room, today, today's the day of salvation. Over the past number of weeks, we have taken time to carefully walk through the scripture, to talk about the signs of the end times, to carefully look at what the Bible has to say about these days in which we live as we approach the coming of the Lord. Is he coming today? Maybe. Is he coming next week? Maybe. Is it 100 years from now? Maybe. 1,000 years from now? Maybe. I don't know. But I know that we are called to live with a belief in the imminent return of Jesus. He is coming. And I want it today, if you are ready for the return of Jesus, with our heads bowed in this room, maybe you'd be willing to be courageous and to lift your hand and let me pray for you to lead you in prayer today. Maybe you do not know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. You have not placed your faith in him. Or maybe you once knew the Lord, but you have not been walking with him. And today's a day of rededication of your life to Christ, to come back to the Lord, to pursue God, to serve him with all of your heart. If that's you, I want to pray for you today. Would you lift your hand and say, Pastor Lauren, I'm not right with God, but today I want to get ready. Time is, time is late. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Just hold it up. I want to lead you in prayer. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight hands lifted to this house. Praise God. Today, today's the day of salvation. Nine, ten. Ten hands. Today's the day of salvation. Let me lead you in prayer. For those of you who raise your hand, this is such an important moment. This is in a moment where you make this commitment of placing your faith in Him. And I want to invite you to follow after me as I pray this prayer. And church, you can pray with me as well. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for the opportunity that you're giving me right now. I know that it's only by your grace. So I come to you and invite you into my heart and life. Be my Savior and my Lord. With my heart, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again as payment for my sins. With my mouth, I confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And from this day forward, my desire is to serve you and to know you. Cleanse me and forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me and make me new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus, everybody. Once again, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. Special thanks to those of you who give so generously to make this ministry possible. If God has put it on your heart to give, please visit our website at pacificchristian.net. And if you enjoyed today's message, please consider subscribing, sharing with your friends on social media, and giving us a rating in iTunes. This will enable us to expand our reach and share the message of Christ with more people. Until next time, God bless you.